Hello, everyone, and welcome to an edition of Chasing the Feels with Angie. I have a very special guest today. She's a very good friend of mine. Her name is Jennifer Scully Thurston, and she is a dancer and artist and so many more things that we're going to discuss today. We're going to talk about chasing our joy and so much more, COVID, all the things that, that we go through. And I just want to thank you so much for being here, Jennifer. So good to see you. Thanks for having me, Angie. I'm excited. I'm excited to chat with you about my joy. I love it. Yes, 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 yes. So (laughs) a little background. Um, Jennifer and I have known each other for many years. And um, since our kids were little, and we now have teenagers. So um, it's been a a while. Um, and, And Jennifer has an amazing background in dance and all the the beautiful things she's done um, creative wise and um, and and she's persevered through a lot of hardships and a lot of times um, that she had to reinvent herself and I think it's just an inspiring story so let's get into a little bit about your background in terms of the artistic part of Jennifer or as your friends call you Scully Sure. Either way, I, I didn't nickname myself, but I have a couple of names out there. So Jennifer's just fine. That's the one okay. my parents gave me. Perfect. <laughs> um, well, you know, I like to call myself a dance lifer at this point um, in my life. I grew up, I was a, a young dancer in high school. Um, I started dancing professionally at 15, which is my daughter's age now, which is crazy for me to think about. Um, I know. I went, to, yeah, I went to university for dance. And after I went to school, I ended up in New York City um, f- prior to the World Trade Center, com- uh, the World Trade Center going down. So I was mm-hmm. in the city pre-2001, uh, 2001. Um, mm-hmm. And I performed with uh, many pickup modern dance companies. And I ended up in, a, a, I found my, a uh, place in a couple of off-Broadway shows, one of which was called um, The Donkey Show, which was a disco mm-hmm. version of A Midsummer Night's Dream. And um, I traveled the world with that. You know, I went to London and Toronto and performed. And um, and then, unfortunately, the, the Trade Center went down. So I moved from um, the city and started working in higher ed, um, uh, Western Kentucky University, Kennesaw State University, um, and then, you know, I started having children and <laughs> yes. um, there was a little lull there. And thanks to you, I started, I kind of reinvented myself um, when my kids are young and started writing for a publication yes. called The Backstage Beat, which I was, that was very, I know that's, uh, I attribute you to part of my renaissance because that was kind of the push I needed to remember who I was before um, having children and my body yes. changing and my, my uh, you know, being in a um, not the best relationship for me at the time. And um, so that kind of, you know, took me to another place. So I went from performing and teaching to writing about dance and really kind of articulating how I felt about the work mm-hmm. that I see, which I think is really important. And I used to, even with my students in higher ed, I used to say, watch everything. Watch mm-hmm. everything. Watch the the dumb stuff or the stuff that's not well produced, and watch the high produced stuff because in that continuum you are going to develop an eye and and decide what are the things that you find valuable in the work. So I was kind of doing that for my, I had been doing that for my whole life, but I was kind mm-hmm. of starting to do that again and um, oiling those wheels. And then I, um, I went through a divorce. So I ended up being alone with my mm-hmm. daughters for um, almost a decade, actually. But at that point, I, I kind of said to myself, "This we need a change here. I still want to serve the dance community. That is my main priority. Um, that is my goal. That is my mission in life is to serve the dance community, no matter what I do. And I started working with art organizations, um, small, smaller nonprofits. So uh, I went to an animation company called Grass War Studios, where I kind of learned a lot of the basics of what a studio, how a studio runs and the, the kind of the businessy needs of that. And then I went to a small, but what I like to say, prolific internationally dance company, internationally touring mm-hmm. dance company in Atlanta. And then I, um, you know, I met my forever husband and ended up moving to North Carolina 
And I'm currently with North Carolina Arts in Action, um, which is an organization. We're an in-school um, dance organization. We go to the schools. We target fourth graders. We do 16-week residencies with them. So we're in. Before COVID, we were in 11 or 12 schools. So it's 16 Amazing. weeks each school. And we go in with um, a teacher, an assistant, and a live musician. It's an incredible program. I'm very honored to be I love that. I love that. And I'm going to tell you what, though, that is sorely what's missing in our education system is the arts, obviously. But dance, I mean, how, how many opportunities do children get to be exposed to that? Yeah, um, they don't. None, you know? Yeah, and mm-hmm. boys especially. And um, we're in Title I schools. So these are schools that have a high percentage of free and reduced lunch. So these are... So one of the reasons we're in school, we kind of work out, we work with the, the, the North Carolina fourth grade curriculum and we work uh-huh. with the teachers. So they, so we'll go in once a week and we'll have all the classes one at a time, but we'll also be working on what they're working on every year. So one year we worked on, um, you know, the Revolutionary War. One year we worked right. on technology. One uh, This year was going to be um, suffragists and the making the vote. Um, so we've kind of... We're kind yeah. of reinventing ourselves through the COVID, but hopefully when when the curtain rises, uh, the COVID curtain rises, we'll, we'll go back in and um, work on this particular show. So, Well, this is, this is amazing. I, wanna, I do want to get into that a little bit, but let's backtrack a little bit too, because sure. um, as you were talking about um, you know, your evolution, I just want to say that's one of the most beautiful things that I've actually been able to witness is, um, you know, I, I did have I was very close to you we were actually neighbors as well so I did get to see you in some of these really 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 hard moments and um and I did get to see you find your voice and I think that was probably one of the most um beautiful things I've been a part of in my life because um it's just like watching a flower bloom you know what I mean like like for you to be able to figure out who you were like I could see it and I knew who you were but you had this um, moment in time that was a hard time it was a really hard time for you and um, and it was just like you know everybody has these moments and these friends that you can see in somebody how amazing they are they haven't quite seen it or or accepted it yet in themselves maybe and I think it when you started writing you not only found your voice as a dance critic but you found your voice again you found you again you found what made you strong Mm -hmm. what made you um unique what made you this Mm -hmm. woman that then could take on whatever came her way because before that it was almost like you questioned yourself right and then all of the sudden it was like um you, you had that strength and that voice and it was so beautiful. It's so beautiful because that was who you truly were is a dancer. And it wasn't that you had to reinvent yourself and go back and start Uh-oh. performing again. As I, It wasn't that at all. It was that you just had to be a part of it again. You just had to feel that feeling again. And for that's you, right. that was seeing those performances. And, that's and that right. speaks volumes about how important the arts are and how beautiful... Mm-hmm. Um, any sort of, um, you know, dance or anything creative, it has the power to change people's lives. And, um, and I watched it, you know, I saw it with you. And it's, uh, it's just so beautiful. So um, tell me, uh, just, we're just going to go briefly to that. um, Mm -hmm. And just talk a little bit about that joy, chasing that joy, because um, it was obviously a joy that you had, but you had to push past fear. And you Mm -hmm. had to push, you had to push past like, you know, what most people deal with on a, on a, a normal basis, most people deal with this thing called imposter syndrome, where we mm-hmm. don't feel that we're good enough. I was going to say that. Yes, mm-hmm. that we don't feel that we're good enough to do this. <laughs> so, so I'm not even going to do it. I won't do it because I'm not good enough for it. So, so you have to push past that in order to, to realize that you did deserve to be there. You did deserve to be sitting there um, watching these performances and writing about them. Mm-hmm. And um, so tell me, just take me back to that, that moment in time, if you can, to where your feelings were and what you did to push past that. Because I think that there's a lot of people out there right now that are in that same moment right now. I, you know, 
Gosh, I don't even know. It's such a big question. I don't even know, I know. where to begin with it. First of all, um, remember, the reason I started writing is because I knew Stomp was coming through Atlanta. Yes. And I was like, I want to take my two-year-old or my mm-hmm. three-year-old at the time. I can't remember how. Stella was still around, was around. So I think she must yeah, have been Yeah, she four. was young. Yeah. Yeah, she was a baby. So I wanted to take my daughter. Um, no, Stella wasn't around. She was younger than that. She was Stella like two or three. Was born. Um, she was not um, out. I was pregnant when I was doing some of these articles with you. So I, anyway, that, yeah, that's not <laughs> there. But my daughter was like two or three years old, and I wanted her to see Stomp. Yeah, because we had been watching the videos. You know, I still had a thread of this art thing that I did. And again, I was a professional dancer. I was, you know, that's what I did for a living. Exactly. And, uh, and when I left New York and got married and had children that whole side of me just stopped disappeared for whatever yeah. reason yeah. i i take i take part of the blame i think part of it was i i didn't have a support system that allowed me to continue to stay engaged that way um, i agree and, with you and also and too, a, as a mom you you put yourself last as true, soon true. as you have your children um it becomes like this uh, okay, well, I am a mom now. And it's like right. we're constantly trying to define ourselves mm-hmm. when we shouldn't, but that's what it became. You became a mom but, instead of that dancer. And I believe, and this is something for, for young moms too, I, I do believe that um, to remain the person, to remain true to yourself, it is important to have um, a really strong support system I to allow you to be able to do that. Otherwise, you know, I I admit I'm I grew up in I've got a codependence thing happening. You know, I I that's what I saw around me when I was younger, and that's exactly how I behaved. You know, in in um, when my children were young. You know, I I stepped in when things when things were wrong or things there were problems or things were uncomfortable. I was the one that stepped in and tried to make it better. But mm-hmm. in doing that, it took away my the thing that I was good at. Do you right. know what I mean? Oh, I always yeah. say I'm a good mom, but I was a really, I was a great dancer. Exactly. So to yeah. have that ripped away from me at that point. And even when, um, you know, bef- right before I had kids, I was teaching in a university. I was creating yeah. work. I was performing. I was doing all of that. But then it all kind of came to a screeching halt. Exactly. Um, like you said earlier on today in our earlier discussion. Mm-hmm. Um, so I have to say, I, I'm not the first person, I'm, I'm not the person that would call myself a courageous person, but I do believe to look um, into finding yourself again and having to kind of push against what your current um, s- status is mm-hmm. in your life, it takes a lot of courage to do. It does. Because it does. not only do you have to carve out that extra time and fit that kind of, you have to, you have to grow it. You've got to plant the seed so we can create space for itself in your world and that was not something i was doing at the time so just to go out and see a show and write about it i had to create that space in my life for it you did and um and i did it against um you know against uh what people wanted for me at the time exactly yeah um, yeah and you 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 had to really want it in order to not only push past that, but to make it happen because sure. like you said, you did not have that support system. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's funny because I, I, I've been very fortunate and I've had a very good support system. Um, and, you know, I, I did have somebody that was able to say, yes, go pursue, go pursue, mm-hmm. you know? And you need um, that sometimes. Oh, for sure. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I know, um, I, I do just want to say that I would classify you as courageous. Um, I definitely would because, I mean, it did take a lot to push out of your comfort zone, first of all, mm-hmm. um, into unknown territory, something you hadn't necessarily done um, ha- while you had been viewing dance and, and being a part of dance for so long. You hadn't necessarily articulated it like you like you were going to at this point. Mm-hmm. And it was... Um, it was something that I, I, I imagine there's quite a lot of people out there, especially young moms, that um, are in that exact exact point right now where they're like, I feel like I used to be this, but now I'm mm-hmm. this. How do I marry that? Um, how do I transition that? How do I find the courage, you know? Yeah. And, I, you know, my advice to young moms, too, would be say, would, would say, 
would be to not stop. Yeah. Find a way to continue doing the things that you do because it right. is very easy. Um, and we are socialized in a way that we are told really, once you become a mom, that's, that's the that's great, it. you know, it's the most greatest, it's the greatest thing. And, and right. you will, you know, make that first. And it is first, of course, my children are first. Every decision mm-hmm. I make is for my children. It's to, even if it's to better myself and to do the things that make me happy, that is in direct benefit to my children or eventually 100%. will be, or, you know, the, the, it's, it's an, it's a, it's an exponential investment that you are, um, you know, that you're giving yourself. Right. And, right. And I, I agree with people you. around you. As a mom, um, I think for me, um, that was that was also quite difficult for me to go from one thing to n- only a mom, you know. And I I had my three kids like back to back, so it was like I went from being like young and wild and free to having three kids and a house, and like it was like my thirtieth birthday, and I'm all, what? What happened? How did you know? How did I get here? And who am I? You know, because what what you're almost made to feel like is that. If you don't put your children first and you aren't everything about your children, then you aren't a good mom. Um, If you want to try to pursue something outside of your family, then you're just taking away from your children. And I just want to state for the record that that's simply not true. Um, (laughs) I think that, you know, you have these joys and these passions in you for a reason. And when you pursue them, um, you're not only bringing joy to yourself, but it will carry over to your children, Mm -hmm. like you said. Um, I always think about it like when you're on an airplane and they're giving you like the, the speeches before you take off and they say, you know, um, in the case of, you know, we lose oxygen in the cabin, your oxygen mask will pop down. Um, Put yours on first before you put on your child's, you know? And I always think (laughs) about that in my head because I'm like, you have to take care of yourself first or how would you be able to put on, like, if you pass out, you're not going to put on your kid's mask, you know? So it's kind of funny because um, it's almost like that. And something as simple as, as what you and I are talking about, like, if you don't find the joy in your life, um, you will end up empty anyways. And uh-huh. um, you won't be able to be a good mother if you are not still feeding yourself. And there is a Agreed. way to balance yep. it. There is a way to do it. And whether your family thinks it's acceptable or whatever, I think that you have to do it for yourself and, and know that, you know, always, you're always putting your children first anyway. So, mm-hmm. um, it, find a way, exactly like you said, find a way to incorporate who you are into your current status as a mother. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, and then grow with it from there, you know, because I mean, you did it, you did it flawlessly and you did it, um, and pushing past so many things, moving out of state, moving far away from anybody you ever even knew just to to pursue this. And um, it's inspiring. It's inspiring. And and when you look back at it now, I mean, you're doing you're creating this these moments, not just for you, but you're creating them for all these other children that, like you said, wouldn't have mm-hmm. the opportunity otherwise. So. Mm-hmm. It's it's brilliant when you look at it like that and you think about all these tiny little steps we take as people, right? And had you not chased this joy here, had you not chased this feeling here, had you not done this here, you wouldn't be in this position where you are now. So it's like we owe it to ourselves to constantly chase the good feelings. <laughs> there and, are lots of feels. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> lots you, of different feels at that time in my life. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. There, there was there was um, quite a few. Yes, there was. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and now, you know, it, it led you to this path though, where most of the fields are pretty good now. And again, like you said, you found your forever husband. Yes. And, yes. Thank goodness. And I know. And, and, and uh, let's talk about that for just a second too, because you yeah. guys had known each other in, in your previous life before, you know, before kids, <laughs> before marriage. And, um, and you guys had, had been, um, I, in school together? Is that what it was? No, um, no. You know, before we move on to that part, I, yes. I also I just want to backtrack for two seconds and just oh, yeah. say that um, because of you and backstage, backstage beat, the writing led to me getting a job in animation, led to a filmmaker reaching out to me with dance films, saying, you know, look at this film, you know, and me realizing that. 
I could do that. I could yes. make films. Yes. And I started making films in 2014. I started um, curating dance film events, starting with Encore, which will be our mm-hmm. seventh year this year. Yes. Yeah. And um, that's in, um, in different cities. In Atlanta. Too, right? Houston. Was it, which one's in Houston? Yeah, we, we, we do an event in Atlanta and we have like a sister event in Houston. So okay. Um, when core performance company, which is the dance company that, uh, they're going by core dance right now. Um, when they do events, they try to match it in two different cities. So it's a company that exists in two, in two towns, Okay, but that, you know, so, so the writing led to not necessarily me dancing, but it led to me being an art administrator to making dance films, to, um, really taking a deep dive into dance film, the dance film world curating events. I created the event at, uh, you know, the Encore event. I'm now right. on the adjudication staff with the American Dance Festival, which is one of the biggest modern festivals in the um, in the world. And it's uh, the Movies by Movers. And this year, we just hit the one-year mark. But this year, I started, before COVID, I kept on saying, God, we there is a need for an online dance film festival. Yes. So, and I had been thinking about it for such a long time. And I finally last October, uh, launched it. And so now we're a year old and, uh, I've, I've presented like a hundred, almost 200 films, um, and filmmakers and it's 12 events. Um, it's been an incredible, um, I've, I've seen it and I've watched it. Yeah. I've watched, I've watched it unfold on Facebook and, um, and it is really amazing. It is, it's just such a delight to see people's evolution. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Especially people you've known for a while, but um, like you said, because you followed your inspiration to start writing, then that led to this, that led to this, that led to this, that led to this. and that's mm-hmm. always the way it happens. It always, yeah, and it, but you never end up like where you think you'll end up. You end up somewhere better because mm-hmm. you kept following this <laughs> and you kept following that, you know. And and it's the same this the same kind of thing with me as I had these moments in my life where I thought I would forever do this or I would forever mm-hmm. be this. And it was merely a stepping stone for me to find my voice or to find um, something else that led me somewhere else that led me somewhere else that led me somewhere else. And um, like you said, it's not, you know, it's not the end point. Like you're, you might not ever get to this end point, whatever that is, but it's Mm -hmm. this beautiful journey of discovery along the way that makes the story so much sweeter. And, um, and all of these people that you've been able to inspire and, and promote all these different art films and dance films and things like that. It's, it's been a really beautiful process to watch. And I think um, people will, we'll have to talk about where they, where they can um, look at all of that too. Yeah. And I kind of had the opposite um, issue where I knew I wasn't going to be a dancer my whole life. So I kind of, you know, when I did get married and have children, I, I, you know, there was a part of me that was like, okay, I resigned myself to this, you know, that part of my life is over and, you know, the fact of the matter is since, since, um, since writing and since uh, being back at work, I've really invented myself into the person I am today. And, yes. and I do mourn, you know, I'm not going to lie. I do mourn my dance performing. Sure. I do mourn my dancer, how I felt in that dancer body. Yes. But, but at the same time, I'm, I'm the healthiest I've ever been. You I know, I, I feel um, wonderful about where my life is and who, mm. who, who's in it and how I navigate through it. And honestly, now we can get back to my husband. I yeah. couldn't have done it without Christopher. Um, he has taken part of my name. So we're both Scully Thurston and, Aww. um, he, uh, yes, he is someone I've known since I was in my twenties. Um, just in passing and we did not go to school together, but we oh, okay. had, we had common people, all my friends from school knew who he was, if that makes okay. any sense. He's a few yeah, years older does. than me. Yeah he's, yeah, he's six years older than me. So he was out of school. He had already lived in New York before. We kind of kept on passing each other. We kind of, yeah. I kept on stalking him throughout my life, you know, yeah. basically. Yeah. He left yeah. New York. I went to New York. He right. moved back to North Carolina. I moved right. back to North Carolina. Um, so, but he's a composer and a musician, a very talented musician. Um, it started off just, you know, I was living in Iowa and working with the mm-hmm. animation company. So this was the early stages of my um, single momhood. Yes. And yes. I would have to, I would have to, you know, travel so the girls could see their dad and my mom and all the family. And um, when I went through Chapel Hill, I w- Chapel Hill, North Carolina, I, 
would um, just reach out to my friends and say, hey, who's yeah. around? Who wants to have coffee? Right. Who wants to, you know, um, hang out with me? Um, and he he kind of walked through that door. And a couple of years later, you know, um, we started working together. I hired him as TD on one of the core dance events. Um, you know, and as time went on, we, a love connection was made and, and, um, he started composing for my films and he, I love that. he continues to do that. Yeah. He continues to make work and, um, you know, we collaborate in that way, which I think, you know, I think I believe in the true collaboration where everybody, you come together with a group of like minds who want to work on the same project. They all have their own expertise. And when they bring, um, their selves to the table, the pr end product product ends up being way more than I could have envisioned for sure um, in my in my own mind so I am very thankful for the wonderful creative people that I've gotten to work with um, over the last few years so all of that is I've reinvented myself as an artist thank goodness because I can't imagine my life without it and yeah. and um, in that process I found um, love again and yes. I'm just so thankful that you know he and I could have so easily been closed off and you know not been open to, to a relationship and, yeah. and I think it's a testament to both of us that I do um, too. we were able to just keep our hearts open and and uh uh you know he's, he's see my where favorite. it led <laughs> yeah see where it led you and and it's yeah. and it's you know you've created this life now um where you know you're he's a part of it and he's a part of your um creativity and um you know He's helping. my support system. Absolutely. The what and you what you needed. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I I agree. Yeah. I agree. I think it's so important to have that. And it's funny because, you know, you look at you know, just just the evolution of this in, you know, last ten years or so. And um, you know, you strengthened yourself and you worked on yourself so that when you know he, this forever person did come into your life, you were ready as an individual you had already yeah. stood by yourself you had already carried the That's weight true. you had already um proven that you um were more than capable of man managing yeah. by yourself you were more than capable of being a single mom and um and so it it really it was almost like the perfect timing like had you had met him in any of these other scenarios it uh, it just wouldn't have worked out so it's like it's just it's just beautiful yeah audience i'm wagging my head it totally would <laughs> and, you know what? And I'm got. I'm not gonna give myself. I'm not gonna let myself scot free. You know, let my, let yeah. myself off scot free. I learned a lot in that time between having children, getting divorced, travel, starting to work again. Oh yeah. And you know, um, so you know, the work was not done, but it was definitely well on its way. And when when uh, Christopher and I got together, for sure, not only were we, I was, I was kind of. Um, opened up by the creativity of it, but I also was very firm on, you know, this is what you get. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I'm not putting on any costumes. <laughs> you like me like this? Yes. <laughs> you like yes. the kids? You know, I, I'm not separate from the kids. Oh, we come as a, as a unit, this is us. you know, yeah. if there's anything, if, if you want me to pretend or play playhouse uh, or, yeah. or any of that stuff, you know, it's um, not going to work. I'm not going to do it. Yeah. yeah. I'm not going to do it. I, I he, think that's also what comes with uh, age as a woman too, right. is that we and come we to this. we don't do it. No, we don't do it. And we don't give ourselves People, enough opportunity to say, look, no, this mm -hmm. is me, you know, take it or told, leave it. We're told not to. Like I, yeah. I, I was uh, in the older, the older generation of my life mm -hmm. when I was in my, in mar my first marriage said, just smile and look pretty. Exactly. And that was the, that was that was what my the advice was. So Smile I did my and best nod. Yep. to do that <laughs> exactly, uh, and be the be the right person instead of, um, you know, being being the right person for the right person. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, it's like, and it's it's just hard because I mean I think I think this this kind of starts when we're children too because we we're we see how our parents definitely. respond. You know, we see how our parents respond to us. So we mm -hmm. play these roles for our parents, knowing that if we if we are this person, then we get this from, you know, our dad or from our mom. Mm -hmm. And and our dad really wants us to be this. So um, so it's like it's really, really, really hard to start shedding all of that and, and start to realize. Again, I think it does come with age where we start to um I mean, probably we're just flat out tired of, of playing up for all these people. And it's like, it's like, you know what? I am who I am. Yeah. And um, yeah. if you're on board, come on, let's have some yeah. fun. 
if you're not, we don't, yeah, we don't talk to our young. So I have two girls. I know you have yes. one girl. Um, I, my goal since then, um, has been, you know, I've made these mistakes. Exactly. Like I want the girls to make their own mistakes, but I don't want them to make these mistakes. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm, you know, my parenting style is to be very honest about, um, the people in our lives and how I behave and how they behave and analyzing and keeping, mm-hmm. keeping that dialogue open because I, I don't want them to make the, those same exactly. kinds of mistakes. And these are like societal mistakes. It's not, oh, totally. even, I don't even blame my, myself that, you know, but, but we don't talk to young ladies, young girls about, um, you know, being who they are, mm-hmm. you know, we, right. we, um, and I think that's a mistake. And, I think and it's I a think tragic that, mistake. Yeah. Yeah. And I think we also need to, you know, you know, I think parents just need to do their job and really, you know, give their kids the tools they need to be adults, including, you know, you know, socializing our boys, you know, mm-hmm. emotions are important. We have to teach our boys that women are human and not lamps. And we have to, yeah. you know, we've got to, we've got to do the work as parents because you can't, you can't, it's like, you know, all the dysfunction in the world today, you can't change a 40 year old, you know, you can't like steer them in a, a, a take a sharp right, you right. know, or right. Left. Now, in all fairness, they can steer themselves if they, they can. want to, but they can. it's easier to steer a eight year old boy than it yeah. is a 40 year old man for sure. And it's not, it's just give them the humanity lesson. lesson. You yeah. know, I, I, yeah. I, I just feel like we have a humanity problem. Yeah, I think about the the generations that have come before us. Like I I think about my dad and I think about all the things in my life. Like um, obviously a lot of the listeners know I have a book called Unravel and it's a, you know, it's about unraveling all of this crap that we have put Mm -hmm. around ourselves over Mm -hmm. time. And it started with our parents. Our parents started knitting us up with this crap and our friends knit us up and we knit ourselves up. And so it's a, it's an evolution. I like that image actually. It is, you know, knitting yourself up is is really interesting. It is really, if you think about that, that is exactly how it is. It's like you come to this world and your parents start knitting you. They, mm-hmm. they put their hopes in you, their fears in mm-hmm. you, their desires, all their beliefs, whatever they are. And so you become this little ball of whatever you're told to be. Mm-hmm. And as and this is reinforced in school. This is reinforced in friendships. This is reinforced in society. Wherever you grow up, um, you're just constantly being knitted with all this information mm-hmm. that um, isn't actually true. It's not even you. <laughs> and so it's like until you get older and you find a reason to pull a string, or something happens to you and you just end up falling apart, um, then you can start to examine. Uh, how this came about and and you know there's not it's not looking back at it and blaming somebody for mm-hmm. your beliefs or for this it's looking back at it and saying okay well that was those beliefs are what served him like let's let's think about my dad for for instance my dad was born in 1942 his mm-hmm. whole um survival and you know how he was br- brought up and how he was raised totally different totally different mm-hmm. than what i needed in you know 1978 oh, yeah. and for sure um yeah. so so you know he's still trying to navigate himself as he's trying to raise this girl and it's it's like the things that i needed were different than what he was taught you know mm-hmm. and and my dad constantly tried to toughen me up you know he'd always mm-hmm. because it because of fear he didn't want me to get hurt so he sure, would say, and I have those same fears, please. Yes, I mean, I think we all do as parents. Exactly. And I think I learned, see, because of that, I learned that that's not how I wanted to parent my children um, mm-hmm. by telling them, first of all, to be something they're not, um, but for them to understand that, you know, everybody, first of all, I was made to be sensitive. That's just who I was because mm-hmm. in my sensitivity, I'm able to connect with people and I'm able mm-hmm. to feel what they're feeling and see what they're feeling. And, and, and then we're able to, to connect on this level of Your trust and path. understanding. Yes, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So to tell somebody like that, not to be like that and to toughen mm-hmm. up is, um, is really hard. And again, no blame to my parents whatsoever because they were doing it out of love. They were, um, mm-hmm. but you know these are this these are these things that we awaken to as we get older and as the general you know um, consciousness, collective consciousness of the universe is is growing. We're all becoming aware of this. Wait a second, 
that might not have been the best thing. So I'm not going to raise my kids like that. I'm not going to tell them to be something they're not or to not feel something they feel. I think for mm-hmm. me as a mom, um, the most critical thing for me to let my ki- kids know other than respect, obviously respect is a big deal, um, is feelings. Like you you feel a certain way for a re- reason. You know, right, Your feelings right. are your guidance system, really. They're guiding sure. you. And when you squash down those negative feelings and choose not to accept them or choose not to feel them or analyze them too because a lot of times they're just false beliefs Mm -hmm. um then you're you're really not doing any service to yourself whatsoever no and if you squash those feelings i believe that that can lead to poor decisions too absolutely it's a if you you have that "Mm, this doesn't feel right to me Mm -hmm. feeling you know you may you may pursue that bad relationship or you may you know, right, right. You're what you're doing you know. is you're in, you're you're um, instructing and and uh, and showing your children that it's okay to not listen to that inner guidance system. That inner guidance system right. is there for a reason. When you have a bad feeling, you should probably trust mm-hmm. that bad feeling. You know, but we're we're constantly taught like, mm, <laughs> nope. You know, just squash that down, push push that back yeah. down there. And you know, talking uh, uh, briefly about like what you mentioned about like. Uh, societal roles and things like that. Um, I remember being told so many times when I was growing up, like, don't act like that. You'll never get a guy to marry you. I know. You know, and it's like, and that shouldn't what? Be, what? That shouldn't be your main your main well, goal in life, for sure. Well, definitely not. And you definitely <laughs> wouldn't want to marry somebody that's just marrying you because of you're acting a certain way. Right. You know, yeah. so I, I do I do applaud you for that in, in your parenting because I think that's, that's the only way we do change. Um, over time is by um, parents realizing, okay, this is what I need to do. Um, This is what I didn't get. So this is what I'm going to give. And then that generation that you raise up then gives more and more and more. And, you know, eventually the, the glitch is fixed, but it takes a lot of time. Well, it does take (laughs) a lot of time, a lot of conscious effort and um, a lot of, you know, and everybody's going to make mistakes, you know, like I you just, don't want them to not make mistakes, right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. I, I mean, just want nice. to have, I want parents to have the conversations with their, especially daughters, just because mm-hmm. I, that's the world that I live in. Talk, talk to your daughters and tell, you know, don't reinforce the societal ideas yeah. of what a woman is, um, you know, and really instill an individual individuality, a, a search for individuality and a search for their, their kind of true being. And, and, I, and I want that to happen earlier. Acceptance of that. Yeah, me too. Acceptance right. of that. And I think that's been important to me as a, as a mom, um, especially with my daughter. Um, you know, m- my daughter has always been very uh, secure in who she is. I don't think she's ever, she's, I don't think she's ever suppressed who she is or, you know, you know what I mean? And I think, mm-hmm. I think about my life when I was her age at all these various moments and I was such a different person, such a different person. And um, I'm so grateful that I've had the opportunity to kind of guide her, I guess, a little bit in, in what is acceptable, what isn't acceptable. But furthermore, that whoever she is, whatever she wants to be is perfect. I, who am mm-hmm. I to say? Who yeah, am yeah. I to say? I'm not. I, I don't know what desires she has. And um, in that, if mm-hmm. they feel allowed to pursue it, mm-hmm. they are allowed to succeed in it exactly. because they won't question and they won't be kind of doing it halfway or, exactly. you know, or they, feeling they have like the they don't deserve to, it. Yes. Right. Yes. And permission to fail syndrome. too. Yeah. Permission to fail yeah. too. Because like I think about, I used to struggle with this as a mom a lot is I used to think um, I wanted to save my kids from so much because I knew yeah. what, what I had been through in my life and sure. I wanted to like, well, if I could, you know, just solve everything for them and do this mm. and then, and I thought about it. And, and, you know, one of the things that people have always told me, is that I'm a strong person. And, um, and I think, how did I get strong? I didn't get strong by letting other people fight my fights. Uh-uh. I got strong because I figured out how to fight my own fights and how to stick up for myself and how to you know, forge ahead when everything else was saying, don't do it. And, and I think um, that, that ultimately changed my perspective on, <laughs> on parenting because I thought, wow, I didn't get this way 
because somebody handed it to me. I got this way uh-huh. because I, I'm, I found out who I was and I became comfortable with who I was and I voiced my opinion. So I have to allow my children to do the same thing. I have to allow them to fail. I have to allow them to make mistakes. I have uh-huh. to allow them to fall, get up, uh, pump themselves up because I'm not always uh-huh. going to be there to pump them up. That's right. And I, I think that's, um, that's a big part of parenting too. But we, we just went off on a parenting thing there. Let's, ah, let's, yes, reel, it, let's reel it back into the arts <laughs> a little bit because before we're out of time, I do want to talk about this beautiful thing that you're a part of right now. Um, let's go into a little bit more detail about the program um, that you're doing in the schools and how it's changed this year with COVID because um, this is a big deal. This year, you, you guys probably had a set of goals and plans just like I did, oh, did. and and it's been... We didn't, yeah. We didn't even get to finish last year. Yeah, we we um we got um we got uh, kind of um, trapped mid season last year in March. So we were well on our way to. I think we had completed maybe four or five residency. We had we had about eight to go. We were in the middle of a bunch. Wow. We had our show made. Do you do this at numerous schools at one time or is it one school for this, you know, 12 week or one school for this or is it numerous? Like it's numerous at one time. Yeah. Okay. We, what we do is we go into a school one day a week so we could potentially be in three schools in one day gotcha. or, okay. you know, 15 schools uh, you know, in, a week. in a week. Yeah. Okay. I, but we don't do that. Yeah. Um, we have a, a small teaching staff that we, and we have about three teams of, um, teachers and musicians to go into the school. So we can overlap a little bit right. on same days and over residencies, but we do try to stagger them so that we start one. And then a few weeks later, we'll start another one. And so that our shows are pretty regular at some point in the year, we end up having like one or two shows a month and then I we're done it. by May and June. And then right in June, we start starting, you know, we start to make the, the show for the next, the, the next following year. So, so um, when we talk about this, this um, it's a nonprofit, right? It is. It's a small okay, nonprofit. So small nonprofit. Um, in in terms of you know chasing the feels and the feelings and the joy, what um, what would you say is the most important thing for you being involved in this in terms of um, your what you're doing um, for these kids? Is it is it more about an introduction? Is it more about them finding something they might like? I mean, what is what is it for you that brings you the most joy out of this? Person, you want personally what brings me for the you? Most joy? Yeah, for you. For and me. then we can talk about the 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 business itself, the company itself. I guess right. Well, you know, and and again, my my life is split. This is my kind of day job. Yeah, and then I have my my you know my yeah. art job. Um, luckily they're both in the arts, but, um, what brings me, um, satisfaction, I get enormous professional satisfaction, um, by making stuff happen. So if you look at the year, you know, we're managing, um, a calendar of 13 schools, 16 weeks at each school, three teams of dancers, three teams of, sorry, teachers, um, we end up with 1,300 students, fourth graders. I mean, that's just, that's yeah. that's what we do. We yeah. we are impacting in school. And the other thing I wanted to talk about with this, with um, North Carolina Arts in Action is what makes us unique is that we do go in the school day. So their parents, you know, these are parents that are working hard. These are parents that don't have resources. These are parents exactly. that, you know, um, can't afford caretakers. These are parents that, you know, if you needed, that they needed to drive their children to an an activity, an activity outside of school. Exactly. They would not be exposed to it. So, so professionally making all that happen with my team is amazing to me. That's what, that's what, that's what I feel joy about. And on top of it, you know, I am a filmmaker. So in COVID um, we, you know, we went through a couple of different strategies, but part of the summer and into the year we were um, videotaping all the new pieces and I mm. was creating these kind of Sesame Street style um, instructional videos that uh-huh. we could give the schools if we decided to go that way. So we have an enormous library now of <laughs> videos made by me. I um, love it. That if we want to package it and do an online a lo- online program, we can do that. In fact, we're back in the schools on December 5th um, in Chapel Hill and 
Um, I believe we're going to use some of that material so that because we're still going to do the classes via Zoom. Mm -hmm. um, but the the teaching team and myself are going to be at the school. So we're in the space. They can see their space that they've yeah. grown up in. We're together. So our timing is together. Because, <laughs> yeah. you know, Zoom, sometimes the oh timing gosh, is, like is all over the place. I can't imagine that in dance. How, how funny. It's, what it's, a, Just a matter of a few seconds makes a big <laughs> difference, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. And and um, another way we have reinvented ourselves in COVID is that um, we are doing the wellness, the wellness Wednesdays program with Durham public schools. So mm -hmm. on Wednesdays, and again, we're all in the same space. Everybody comes to my backyard <laughs> and we produce the classes. So we have four classes that day and um, we just go back to back and, um, and we're actually touching um we're like, uh, we're engaging students kindergarten through fifth grade. So that's kind oh, wow. of, new for, that's new for us. It's different. Yeah. It's not our regular program, but we have adapted in that way to be available to the schools. And then there's another program in um, Raleigh called the Raleigh, um, Southeast Raleigh Pro uh, Promise. Mm -hmm. um, they do an after school program. So this is a, so I'm, my voice is getting tight. Oh no! But it's, okay. um, it's, it's I'm not used to talking this much. Um, <laughs> it's a program that's all encompassed by a YMCA in, in East Raleigh, which is kind mm -hmm. of a, you know, it's a it's a um, you know depressed economy mm -hmm. over there, and um, so we've become part of their after school program called Club War. So that's again, it's not quite what we do normally, but it's we've adapted in a way adapted. so that we can be part of that program. I think it's beautiful. Um, I mean, the main goal is to serve the community um, and to offer um, something that they they wouldn't be exposed to. I exactly. mean, uh, I mean, obviously, you know, music has been out of schools for a while, um, but you know, dance was never even a part of schools, uh, not for a long time, at least. Well, and so that, this is yeah. beautiful. This is beautiful. And that leads into how, you know, the thing that I find joyful about what we do and how it's kind of touching the community is that um, if you don't expose children, and mm -hmm. I've said this my whole life, yes. <laughs> again, you can't change somebody and you can't get a 40 year old who's never been to a museum to go to a museum. Right. But if you bring your children, they'll, they'll grow up going to museums and enjoying it. So we, the part that, that excites me is that if we're in a school long enough, mm -hmm. all the students that go to that school get Have pulled been, through the yes. arts and action filter. And we touch 13, I shouldn't use the word touch, sorry. But we affect <laughs> thirteen, you know, hundred students a year. Yes, yes. And all of our schools. and they and wouldn't that's have had that. It is huge, and I think too. I, I've said this a lot before too. Um, having um, just dealt with the backstage beat and all the things that we did um, through that, it it was like on this massive understanding that. Um, if somebody is not exposed to something, how do they know if they, they are don't. gifted in it or talented in it right. or love it or like it? They don't. And unfortunately, a, a lot of parents, um, we, a lot of parents just struggle just to go to work and get, you know, yeah. A to B, B to C and to, to say, okay, now I want you to take your kids to a museum right. or I want you to take them to go right. to that Broadway show that costs a hundred dollars a ticket or whatever. Damn, and it's like, there's no way it's going to happen. So I think, um, I think that, you know, what you guys are doing in North Carolina should be patterned in other cities across the world. And now of all the times with the COVID and with us becoming, um, this is, this is how we do life now mm -hmm. is online and through these little things. <laughs> But it's also kind of brilliant, too, because now there's no excuse. There's no excuse yeah. as to why we cannot um, affect people in mm -hmm. other cities that we might not have been able to reach, you know? And I, I have to give a shout out to we do have a um, we have adopted the uh, pedagogy from the National Dance Institute, uh -huh. what, which is in New York City. They're in all the New York City schools. And um, it's a... Um, an organization that was started by Jacques Dumboise, who was a, um, a ballet dancer in his prime. He's now, he's now in his eighties, but still like, Oh, he's a yeah. bundle of energy, but he's got programs now all over the world that are, that are NDI um, inspired. Um, so we have modeled our program after that program. So they do Beautiful. exist and their programs yeah. in Lebanon and China and Mexico and, Beautiful. You know, there's a huge um, NDI program in New Mexico. We, we um, one of our teachers um, moved to New Mexico to join them recently. Wow. 
But um, and and talking about this this being our life, you know, again in October, I said we need an online dance film yeah. festival so that so we can get eyeballs on dance. I mean, the whole point mm-hmm. is to serve the dance community. Exactly. And now I really think that um, with dance film and with kind of embracing that uh, the dance world is embracing dance film as a viable kind of mm-hmm. exactly um, art form. Um, I think this is a real opportunity too. I mean, we would have gotten here. Somebody said this on Eventually. a podcast. I, yeah. Yeah. I listened to the, um, there's a new podcast called uh, frame form and it's mm-hmm. about dance film specific. And, and um, uh, my colleagues on there said uh, the other day, we would have gotten here eventually. Just COVID made us get here really, isn't really that, Isn't that really funny? <laughs> so, it's, it's, uh, I've actually <laughs> talked to a lot of people in various um, fields in the, in creative, in, in sort of, whatever creative endeavor it might be, not just dance, but, um, and that is exactly the same feeling mm-hmm. is, um, is when, when, you know, you would talk to people in the entertainment industry. Um, that was always something that we've, we viewed as untouchable, that sure. if something ever happened, we'd always still have our entertainment. We'd sure. always still be, you know, you know, going to the theater, going to this. And this really showed us that's not exactly true. I know. And um, it's scary. I didn't never, so I never, I never anticipated, sorry, I can't use my words today. I, I never anticipated theaters shutting down ever. No, me I mean, neither. Who would have imagined a world like no, that? No, no. And you know, just, you know, from uh, Backstage Beat is that, you know, I, I so many of my friends and, and you know, fellow co-workers that used to shoot concert photography and things like that. It's like, who would have thought that you wouldn't get to do that anymore? Who would have thought that yeah. that was something that um, just wouldn't happen. It would cease to exist. And I think so many people are having to use this time to reinvent themselves or reinvent Mm -hmm. the craft that they're so passionate about. Um, And while it's a struggle sometimes, and it is hard, I think so so many brilliant things have come out of this because you have people like yourself that are saying, let's do this online. Let's get this going. Um, I have other friends that have been reinvented themselves in terms of photography and, and what they can do right now. And, and it's, it's just, um, while not the ideal situation, I think that um, creative energy still flows. Yeah, I do too. Yeah. I do too. And I encourage, I, you know, there was another, with Core Dance, there was another program that I kind of um, uh, administrated. It was called Fieldwork. Mm-hmm. But I always, um, and it's a wonderful, it's a, it's a place where um, artists can come together and, and make work together and get really um, interesting feedback that, has nothing to do with liking or hating. It's really just um, analyzing what it was in front of them that day. Um, But when we advertise for it, we always says artists come together. And sometimes the word artist is an intimidating term. And and I think that um, there are lots of people out there that are, are really are artists, but would not consider, would not like, label themselves as an artist and would be intimidating to Mm -hmm. kind of join a group. So I would encourage the world and anybody who's listening that if you have a creative thought at all, Mm -hmm. you have such sophisticated um, technology in your pocket, pull it out and just, just make something and see where it goes. And and, um, we have time. I mean, most of us, I mean, a lot of people don't have time, but we have moments of time where we can pull out our phones or our iPads yes. and just um, create just whatever play. it is. Yeah. yeah. Play there's, with the technology, play with the apps and figure yeah, out. Yeah, there's you can music make apps. You can make music on your mm-hmm. phone. You can take photos on your phone. You can make as a you whole know. movie on your you phone. You can take <laughs> a movie. You can make a movie. You can draw and create art, whatever it is. I, I 100% agree with you that if you, there, that, that um, the fear, of not being good enough is prominent in a lot of people's lives. And I think, especially in the realm of art. And I think that's one of the things that's so beautiful about art is that there is no wrong ever. So whatever it is that you feel like creating, do it, create it and see where it leads you. You have no idea what path you're going to be led down because you followed that inspiration and you chased that joy. And, um, and I think that's crucial for, younger people to learn um so for, sure. for myself it took me you know into my 30s to realize that i was responsible for chasing my own joy yeah. and um, well <laughs> that's the lesson right joy yeah. is yours it, happiness yeah. is yours it's not anybody else's responsibility no it's, it's not. not it's not for anyone to make you happy no. your happiness it's, is all on you and if you're not and it's happy in you too yeah it's in you but if you don't feel happy and 
and again, life is not all happiness, but no, if you don't feel not. joy, you have to dig deep inside and, and you do. And see you where, have to look inside yourself because oftentimes what people find is that they're looking outside of themselves to find this happiness, a relationship, a job. Um, oh, I'll be happy when I get to here or How when many times have I said that to myself. I said it to myself too. I call it the happiness trap. It's a trap. It's never, it's <laughs> not even real. You won't be happy when you get there. I promise you, because you'll find another reason as to why you're not. So this beautiful thing called happiness, it already exists. It's inside of you right now yep. and it's it is your responsibility to pull it out because because if somebody does pull it out of you it's temporary that who knows what'll happen that person could That's be right. gone and you you would have just relied on yeah. that person so i think um i think it's such such a big deal right now with the covid to be digging into ourselves um finding our creativity f- finding our voice and pursuing our happiness i agree it's a tough time and you know, it's tough for all of us. Everybody's got their own unique, particular, curated kind of, you know, bucket of problems. Yes. So, um, and yeah. I've always said, can we use bad language on your uh, podcast? Oh, today? yeah. Yeah. Go right ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, you know, I always say shit happens to you, yeah. but you yeah. have to make the good stuff. So, yeah, you know, right. bad stuff's going to happen. That's mm-hmm. it. You know, you're going to make mistakes in your pursuit of your art or whatever you do. You're going to fail and you're going to, you're going to make something that you're not that satisfied, but Mm -hmm. in the process, you're going to find something there. You are. And you you will have expanded and, and you will have pushed past something that at one point in time did scare you. And in that, in that um, uncomfortableness um, are, are moments of brilliance and you might not Mm. even see it right now. It might take you 10 years to look back and say, holy crap, man, I, Mm -hmm. I, because I pushed past that, I am here where I am now. I was onto something back then. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Man, I was fearless. Um, I think, I think that's the funny thing about aging too, is not losing that sense of fearlessness. Cause, um, I think, uh, you get, you can get accustomed to certain things, I guess. And, and you want to avoid certain things that maybe have happened in the past. So sometimes yeah. we play it safe. Sometimes we do play it safe the mm-hmm. older we get. And for me, um, my evolution personally is pushing past that and getting out of that um, comfort zone and and seeing how far I can push myself. Mm-hmm. Um, what am I capable of? What does it what does it mean to be this this particular stage in my life now, you know, I'm not defined by the number that I am. Um, I'm going to keep pursuing what makes me happy and becoming this better version of myself. And I think that's That's the um, goal. Yes. That's the the thing that you are are actively working on in your life, (laughs) which is then inspiring your daughters and the people around you and um, the community that you're able to affect. Um, So brilliant. Bravo, Scully! I'm uh, <laughs> very, you. very happy to know you. I'm, uh, I'm proud I'm to call you to a friend. I'm happy to know you too. Aww. Aww. I'm proud that you, you are, you are the seed, my friend. Oh, I'm so grateful. <laughs> you helped me. So grateful. You helped me grow. So grateful for the opportunity. I think, um, I think it's beautiful what you're doing. So let let everybody know um, where can they find out information about you and also the. Um, North Carolina Arts in Action program, as well as some of these amazing films? Sure. Um, well, North Carolina Arts in Action, it's easy. You can see what we do at ncartsinaction.org. Okay. Um, I'll have to tell them that we spoke about them I uh, know. quite a bit. One of the collective ears are ringing. Yes, they um, are. <laughs> <laughs> um, my film festival, which is um, something that I'm growing as we speak. Again, we just hit the one-year anniversary um, I'm going to have a live event, an outdoor screening in Durham, North Carolina on Saturday. So I'm super excited Ooh, about that. Um, this Saturday? This Saturday, yep. Yeah. Oh, what perfect. I did this year is I pulled um, as a rogue dancer choice. Mm-hmm. Um, I pulled a couple of films from every month because every month is a different theme. And um, so that's what we're sharing on Saturday. So it's the kind of culmination of my favorite films from the year. And this will be, um, this will be in North Carolina, but will this be streaming online also? I, um, you know, I'm still, I think so. I'm also okay. getting ready for our November event because they, the, the turnaround's pretty fast. So, yeah. um, I think I will, I, I have to, um, communicate with the filmmakers about what, yeah. see what, what you're going to do, do with those. Yeah. But I, they I can find information little... about that on the website. 
Mm-hmm. Um, you can for go to your rogue, dance films. Okay. It's roguedancer.org. And um, every month there'll be a new festival up on the top. There's a letter from the curator, which is me, um, on the top there. And you can look through all, all kinds of articles, things I've written for you. Yes. Uh, backstage Beat. And right. um, so there's a lot to check out there. Um, also, friend me on Rogue Dancer Journal on Facebook is the best Facebook. way to get the most the most current information. So most bang for your um, buck. <laughs> yes, yes, and uh, that's great. Yeah, Perfect. and every month, yep, every month there's this has new, been great. new ones. I know. I'm I'm just I'm so glad we made it work and we <laughs> navigated know. through the the um, juggling fest we had to do, <laughs> and uh, that's what we do because we're we're amazing, amazing women. That's what we are. Yes, I'm really thankful <laughs> to see you again because it's been yeah, too me long. Too. And it has been. And too uh, long. I can't wait to um, start. You know, listen to your podcast and see. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited. Check we'll see where it goes. Yeah, we'll just you know another part <laughs> of chasing your joy. Just that's right. Follow the feelings and see where it goes. And um, thank you so much for being a part of this. I do really, really value um, all the information that we talked about today. And I think and hope that um, people out there listening were inspired by your story of perseverance and courage and um, chasing your joy. Thank you for having me.